The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose. And he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name, that happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Knows me, Big Kevin, the match. We bowdy bowdy. Orale, to me it's a big pleasure to be next to the capital B I double G I S E triple X Y. Big sexy, the giant killer. Orale, my boy over here, macho man. He ain't no icon. He ain't no legend. He's a classic. Just like Coca-Cola and Corvette. Orale! Hey, Hogan, you don't want none. You don't want none of this. You don't want none of the wolf pack. You can't kick no dust. But just to let you know, we thinking about you. Ooh. Love to love to love ya, love ya, love ya. Ooh. And uh, welcome back in here to the two-man power trip of wrestling. You're listening to a special edition of the two-man power trip. We're going to throw this under the feature show banner because if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad and as always on the two-man power trip, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP John Paz. And what we're doing here today is we're throwing out a little bit of a uh, little TMPT gem here, kind of off the uh, off the beaten path, not in the traditional sense of one of our long-form interviews, but John, we get to chop it up here with Conan, the one and only K-Dog. Talk a little MLW. MLW's got a huge show 
coming your way October 4th. It's a TV taping. It's going to be at the Melrose Ballroom in New York City where you get to see a lot of MLW's great stars in action. And then again, going to watch it on television as they throw it out there for the masses on BN Sports. Some amazing talent on that card. But talking to Conan, whew, John, I mean, you're, te- you're texting me during the interview. We're throwing some notes back and forth. If we could, we'd go all night with Conan because, holy crap, is there a lot to talk about with him. It's funny. I was texting you during the thing. I was like, man, I have so much stuff I want to get to. Obviously, we have a certain time frame you know, we're supposed to be working with him. So we don't want to go crazy. We don't want to abuse Conan at all and you know, go all night like we probably could have. But uh, you know, we always say if it goes a certain time, it's an epic. So it's like an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. That's one of our epics. And we've had a lot of those, and I'm, I'm just looking at all the Conan stuff. I'm thinking about all the Conan stuff. I'm like, you know, I can shoot you a text. Like, man, this could be an epic. I mean, I could have so many different topics. But we do actually cover a fair amount in the amount of time that we had. And we get a lot of great answers out of K-Dog. But I almost felt like, man, if we had the time, I could probably uh, abuse this guy and go all night with all my questions for him you know really do some deep dive into wcw or, or whatever but we went into a lot of the mexican history and obviously now with him cornering gaga and phoenix and pentagon and the the lucha libre stars of today we obviously were talking about when he was a young lucha libre star coming up and the guys that kind of put him over and put him on the map so it's a really really fun combo i really like talking to k-dog i'm actually shocked it took this long to get him on the show obviously we've talked behind the scenes and stuff a, a bunch of times we were never able to kind of hammer home a date or he was available. We weren't available or, or he wasn't available and we were, you know, it's, it's whatever the case may be. We finally kind of nailed him down. And it's funny. He said, he's like, have we ever, t-, you know, had an interview for him? I think of myself like, no, but we should have. <laughs> so just great stuff from MK dog. I'm glad we finally got him on and I'm sure we're going to have him on again in the not so distant future. Yeah, no, that would be amazing. And there's been times, too, where we've had stuff thrown out there by a guest or somebody was tweeting something about our show and Conan's piped in making a comment about something. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's at least one or two times where, you know, we see some kind of comment about an interview or something posted about the show or somebody who was on the show responded to something we tweeted and then Conan pipes in. And it's kind of funny that, yeah, we haven't interviewed him, but... We've communicated uh, indirectly, and obviously we've talked with Joe Feeney in the past, so we've connected on, on that uh, aspect of it, and to see how keeping it 100's kind of evolved is it, pretty cool. But one of the things that I was trying to hit home a lot in the interview is that Conan is always on the forefront and at the front door of what's going on in the wrestling business, and whether or not it is going back about five or six years and seeing how he was one of those first guys to jump on the podcasting bandwagon and be somebody who could peel back the curtain and talk as candidly as he does. Uh, He really set the tone in in that aspect, but seeing how he's got a hand in impact and MLW and he's still involved heavily in Mexico and seeing what he did with Lucha Underground a few years ago, he's always maintaining being relevant in the wrestling business and whether or not the product in any promotions not your cup of tea he's somebody that you can relate to i don't care what you say conan is a classic and uh he's doing an amazing work for all these promotions he's working for absolutely and it's great that he could do so many different things like you mentioned obviously the podcast game or he can manage somebody or like you mentioned in the interview he was in a battle royal on mlw not so long ago he was still wrestling 
So, I mean, he literally does it all. And he mentioned producing. He mentioned booking. He mentioned pretty much commentating and announcing and interviewing this, all this other stuff. So he's one of those lifers, one of those guys that can literally do anything in the business and be successful at it and be great at it. And I just love that with him, just one of those guys where he's believable in every aspect. You know, you, you see some people, they're doing something, and you're like, man, they're forcing that, or that's not working, or what the hell are they thinking about putting that guy in that situation? It's not working. You know, what is, what is uh, you know, somebody crazy thinking that? Him, he works in pretty much every scenario. When he's cornering somebody, totally believable, totally great at it. When he was announcing, he was great at it. Whether he's booking or producing, you can tell his stamp is left on it. He did a great job with it. I mean, how many times have you saw uh, AAA have some sort of big resurgence, and then you, you read or you see Conan has been you know, re-emerging as the booker of AAA, and usually it's when he returns, they have a big pop and he really does a great job with the writing. So, I mean, anything he does in the wrestling business has been highly, highly successful. I love that he's a lifer. I love that he's a true veteran in the business. He's been in the business 30 plus years, been there, done it all, seen it all. And he's one of those guys, a father figure like guy who has brought in the Rey Mysterios and the Hooven to of the world who really made them household names and whether it was ECW or WCW which is more of a, a national flavor obviously yeah, he's putting these guys on the map and he's kind of showing you what Lucha Libre is all about so you got so you got to love Conan I mean whether you like him in the NWO or you, or you saw him in the Dungeon of Doom which was kind of wonky and a little wacky but you saw him there whether you saw him in the Filthy Animals I mean, you kind of can always see Conan relating and, and getting himself over and putting himself in a great spot. But he's just, you know, like I said, he's just totally believable. Yeah, no, he's totally believable. And two more points out of me before we get over to this interview with Conan. The first one being Court Bauer and MLW. Obviously, we've had Court Bauer on in the past, and we're going to put MLW over a lot because it was always a product that we found to be alternative, and in that post-ECW era, MLW was really one of the only promotions that you could sink your teeth into when you could get a hold of it. It's also in those early days of Ring of Honor, but we talked about that when we had Court Bauer on about a year and a half ago, but it's to see the evolution of how far MLW's come since that interview with Court Bauer, where it was basically a one-and-done. I think it was almost over a little over a year ago at this point it was a one and done and uh, you know you could kind of see that it was going to be successful so you could maybe anticipate more shows coming but at that point it was a one and done but to see how far it's grown and they've got television now they've got storylines and they're bringing in a lot of great talent what MLW does best they bring in talent that's not being used by the other promotions and they put them in great spots case in point John I know something that you and I would love a lot that new heart foundation with Harry Smith and Teddy Hart and Brian Pillman Jr. I mean, that's right up our alley in channeling the past, but accentuating the stars of today and, and the future. So that's something really cool. But I think a lot of kudos goes to Corp Bauer. And also knowing that having a guy like Conan in your camp is uh, is always going to benefit your product. Absolutely. I mean, think about K-Dog and kind of what he said about Corp Bauer. Basically, Corp you know, saw what he could do. He knows Conan, obviously, for a while. He kind of feeling him out. He's like, hey, can you help me with this? Or, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? So he's giving Conan all these jobs because he knows that's how he's going to get these things over and that's how he's going to keep MLW successful. You always say, you know, when you have good people around you, that kind of 
makes you better or that makes the product better or whatever company you're in. If you have good people around you, surrounding yourself with good people, you're going to be doing good things and profitable things and things that are going to make you successful. And that's what Court Bauer is doing with Conan. He knows how much of the success Conan has been in the business. He knows how much he can help him make MLW a success. And we're kind of seeing that MLW is looking pretty damn good right now. Like you said, the Hard Foundation, guys that are really that I really love are Pentagon and Phoenix. I mean, so many good guys, so many good talent involved in MLW. An old school favorite like Loki, who's uh, still there and still the world champion. Daga, who's coming in now, being cornered by Conan. Great young Lucha Libre star. So they pretty much got something for everyone. So definitely check out MLW, whether it be in sports or whether it be a live show like the one coming up on 10-4 at the Melrose Ballroom in New York City. So check out MLW whatever way you can because I guarantee you something will grab you, something will keep you entertained, and it's not going to be a three-hour-long show. I can promise you that much. You will get your attention kept and you will definitely be entertained. That's right. And go to MLWTickets.com. If you're planning on being in attendance at the Melrose Ballroom for MLW's Fury Road, which is a live TV taping for being sports on the MLW Fusion television show, tickets start at $20. If you're in New York City, if you're in New Jersey, if you're in Connecticut, Get to Queens, New York. Get to the Melrose Ballroom and just check out this show. You'll love it. And what's being taped for television, you get to watch it again. And we just we promise you, you will enjoy the MLW product. It's always been on that upper crust, that upper tier of uh, wrestling content. So before we get into Conan, John, this is my last point. And this is just something that I thought of as we were recording this. It's pretty damn funny if you ask me. Now we've done... How many shows? I mean, not even counting this one, not counting Triple Threat. If you were to just take the two-man power trip, what's the, what are we at? Four, or th- what are we at? 360, 370? What, what number are we at? Just the two-man power trip? Just, just, the, just the interviews. Okay, so technically speaking, we're at 362 interviews per se, but we have a bunch in the in the tank, if you will, a bunch left that we haven't released yet, and then we had a bunch of episodes episodes in our past where we kind of doubled up or even tripled up on some of the episodes so grand total we've done well over 415 interviews but episode wise tmpt is at 362 okay and then this week coming up uh, on friday which is the pat tanaka episode you will see episode 363 thank you for mentioning that so with pat tanaka being this coming friday's episode what are the freaking odds <laughs> that we published two episodes back to back with Max Moon being on both episodes, of Paul Diamond being Friday, and then Conan being today. <laughs> what are the odds of that? It's funny. I wrote that note down about, obviously, Conan is supposed to be Max Moon. And I was thinking about it. And, and you know, we just never got to But I was thinking about it. Man, Max Moon. We literally just talked to the guy who actually ended up playing Max Moon. And now we have on um, Conan, who is Max Moon as well. But it's just uh, pretty damn ironic and pretty damn weird. And I did not put it that way if you, if you know what i mean i did not schedule it that way so very weird too funny i mean we're sitting here thinking that we're about to set the world on fire with uh bad company in the orient express and sandwiched right in between is the guy who uh paul diamond took over for as max moon so who would have thought that max moon would have had uh pretty much the uh, the most airtime as a collective uh gimmick 
uh, in the last uh, week on our show. Even though we didn't get to talk about Maximum with Conan, but still, it's just kind of funny in, uh, in my perspective here. But with all that being said, we want to thank Conan for coming on with us and taking the time and listening to Keeping It 100. It's one of those shows that... You know, you don't feel like you're listening to a wrestling show per se. They talk a lot of wrestling. And he says in the interview they talk about politics and sports and whatever. But when you get wrestling, it's coming straight from people in the business. So to me, it's always going to have that little bit of that added extra, a little bit listen closely because you might learn something. So check out Keeping It 100. It's on the Jericho Podcast Network as part of the Westwood One family, the booming Westwood One family. Uh, so check that out and, uh, please support MLW, support us and, uh, please support figures, toy company and our relationship with them head over to figures, And some of the people that are going to be on this MLW show are part of the rising stars, of professional wrestling action figure line. You can check all those toys out at figures, and wrestling superstore. Com, and we're going to continue to roll out that relationship. We just released the official Shane Douglas franchise unboxing of the Legends of Professional Wrestling Shane Douglas figure. It was pretty cool to see how Shane pointed out a lot of the details that we've been putting over on the Triple Threat, which will be coming your way very soon, so stay, stand put. We wanted to get this out to you as a special featured episode this week, just in time for the MLW Fusion taping this October 4th, this coming week. So please... Let's wrap it up here. Let's get it over to Conan. We're going to throw it to a little two-man power trip of wrestling business, and uh, you'll hear some familiar music kick in as we welcome in the K-Dog himself, the man known as Conan. Now for some TNPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer, Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn King, Jacob, the phenomenal AJ Styles, Bleed, WWE Attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former WWE United State and Television Champion, a former two-time WWE Tag Champion, you may know him as the K-Dog, but he is Conan. Enjoy. Let the rabbit out your hat and choke it. As 
Well, that's the perfect way to get going then. So joining us on the line tonight is a man who has always stayed on the top of the wrestling business, being involved in so many different facets of it. But you know him as a AAA and CMLL world champion. He's also been a United States champion in WCW and a television champion as well as a WCW and NWA tag team champion. He's also an amazing podcast host on Keeping It 100 with the man himself, K-Dog Conan. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip. Yo, man, thank you for having me on. Is this the first time I've been on here? Yeah, first time for uh, Conan and the two-man power trip. This is a uh, it's a pretty big deal for us. We appreciate you taking the time. All right, that's cool. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. And we're here to talk about the big MLW Fury Road show coming up October 4th at the Melrose Ballroom in Queens, New York, part of a live TV taping for BN Sports. Like I said off the top, you're always involved in a lot of stuff going on in the wrestling business, but it seems like now you really have your hand in some of the biggest events going on all around the world. And uh, with MLW, we saw them in their comeback to the uh, professional wrestling landscape. Obviously, they dominated the podcasting uh, world for a long time, and they reignited their promotion, and you're a huge part of it now. So what do you think about this uh, resurgence of MLW? Yeah, it's real cool because when I first met court um he basically had told me about a podcast which i thought was some sort of radio station or something and so you know when we started podcasting maybe six years ago i think the only guys that were doing it were maybe um what's this guy Cole Cabana and maybe Meltzer and so like we were the first ones actually charged to listen to us so we knew he had something going and he had just gotten out of wrestling out of uh, WWE. He was burned out. He was kind of um, not too happy with the way the business had gone for him. And the last thing I ever expected him to do was start MLW again, which he did. And then he just invited me one day because uh, he told me I had said that I was going to do a retirement tour next year. And um, so he said, why don't you do something in New York? I go, bro, I can't do a whole match. I'm still trying to get into shape. And he says, well, just come out and just do what it'll be a battle royal. So I just went out into the battle royal and I did a couple moves and the people, you know, they showed love and it was a really cool experience. And then, uh, you know, once I was backstage, he was like, hey, would you mind helping me here or helping me there? Because, you know, I've basically done everything there is to do in this business. So, you, you know, I can do everything from commentate to help produce a segment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen you do a lot of really cool stuff. But like I said off the top, all around the world. And I feel like having you join up with MLW and we get to see some of the stuff that you can bring to the table again in the United States is always cool. Because, I mean, you've got that uh, that experience. And obviously the guys in MLW who are getting their first shot now to be on TV, they're going to take advantage of a guy like you because you're a wealth of information. Yeah, well, that's, you know, I mean, the, when you when you accumulate that sort of information, uh, you know, you want to share it. No, no reason to keep it. So you want to share it and you want to pay it forward and you want to help other people that maybe didn't have some of the same teachers that you did and leave the business in a better place than you found it. And, uh, you know, and I just still love to do what I do. So what do you think of this whole entire independent wrestling resurgence and how it's really taken off? Because... I mean, you can't go now talking to a wrestling fan without talking about anybody outside of WWE. It's like all they want to talk about are the 
independent brands and obviously MLW is just picking up more and more steam you see these shows getting bigger and bigger obviously we just passed the all-in show a few weeks ago and people having an interest in New Japan being in the United States and obviously AAA and CMLL and all and you can get all this great stuff now what do you think about this is this something you ever envisioned for uh, independent wrestling outside of WWE yeah, no, I didn't envision that, but I did. I just think it's cool. Like when I first broke into the business, I, you know, back then they used to collect tapes. So I was always watching tapes from Japan. And I, so I loved New Japan back in the 90s. And of, I was already a Lucha Libre, so I knew what Lucha Libre was. So, you know, I had a lot of access that, that, you know, now with the Internet, everybody can see everything. So it's pretty cool how everybody is kind of like on this tip of, you know, uh, if we like, you know, Japanese wrestling, that's what we're going to support. And, you know, I think we've all seen stuff we love in WWE and stuff that we hate. Um, and I think it was a really cool way of fans, especially all in. But it was a very cool way of fans of telling WWE, we're not satisfied with what you're giving us. So we are going to support something else. And that had to open up their eyes. And so that's good. It's good. And also just the way how... Um, you know, wrestling is cross-pollinated into other genres where now you have comedy wrestling, you know, like, you know, what Joey Ryan does or, you know, Cole Cabana does, and you've got hardcore wrestling and you've got now, you know, this is something that definitely came from Mexico, from AAA, the promotion I work at, those intergender matches, that's a AAA invention, you know, you know, Lucha getting the respect it deserves, you know, when I first brought Lucha into the United States, it was misunderstood. And obviously, it was a very different style, and it was never really given the respect it's being given right now. So it's just pretty cool how all the powers in the fans' hands right now, where it should always have been, and, and promotions need to start listening to their fan base, because if not, they'll sw switch allegiances on you. Yeah, and would you say that the, quote, smart fan or the smart mark has now just right. evolved into being the fan? I mean, it seems like now... You know, everybody who's talking about wrestling outside of WWE is a smart fan. So I think it's almost like evolved into it's more like today. That's more now the norm, yeah, than the exception. So, you know, and, and that all comes with, you know, you have a plethora of information that you didn't have when I was growing up. You know what I'm saying? And mostly it's the, you know, the, the internet, you know? So, you know, you have wrestlers on podcasts, you have all these different things they really didn't have before where you can find out more about the business and you're more, sophi more sophisticated. I grew up in an era where even though when I look, cause I didn't grow up wanting to be a wrestler, but I remember looking at wrestling and go, okay, well something here is staged, is fixed. I mean, there's just no way you can keep hitting a guy in the face and it's not bruised. You know what I'm saying? But the wrestling industry was still like, Shh, you know, everybody thinks it's real. And you know, now it's come to the realization where people are now appreciating it instead of, how for a long time everybody said, oh, that fake stuff. Now you have a lot of people who appreciate it for the art it really is and really give it its props. And you're sitting on Sports Illustrated, you're sitting on ESPN. It's just, you know, part of like American culture. And the thing with you, you're always at the forefront of bringing in great Lucha Libre stars. Like you mentioned, you basically brought Lucha to the U.S., whether it was in ECW or bringing guys to WCW. But now, even with guys like Daga and all these guys kind of making a name for themselves, Phoenix and, and Pentagon, you're kind of right there. What do you think about this next generation, these young Lucha Libre stars that are really, really great? Well, what I like about them is that they're very prepared because, you know, Eddie and Ray and myself and 
Juventud and all these other guys, we kind of opened up the road for them. You know, Alberto Del Rio, and we're telling them, okay, now when you go there, you have to know English. You know, like when we first went there, you know, everybody wasn't sure if they had to know English or not. We were, there was just a lot of, uh, you know, most of the wrestlers, when they went there, they had to be deprogrammed because they only knew Lucha Libre. So now you had to teach them American wrestling. But now, you know, the, the, the luchador is um, better equipped, better informed. So he knows he better already be, be brushing up on his English before he gets there. He already kind of knows he's already wrestled in the United States and learned the American style. So when they call him, he's ready. You know, there's a lot of things they are better prepared now. And they're not on that party tip like we were, you know, where it was just wild, you know, it was like the Wolf of Wall Street back then, you know, everybody was just messed up. And a lot of these guys now, they're just like video game guys and, you know, you might see some guy smoking weed or an Adderall, but that's about it. You know, it isn't the wild party scene that it was in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? So it's a much cleaner, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, group. Definitely. And it seems to be a lot of these guys, like you said, are staying out of trouble and video games, more or less, or nothing too crazy, which is good and probably better for their overall long term health. You know, guys like you and and Ray and Hoovy and guy and Eddie and guys that laid the groundwork. I feel like that's the, the you know the really the good old days, and and those are excellent guys. How do you think the guys today compared to guys like you and guys like Ray Mysterio and Eddie? Well, I look at it like anything else. Like I look at it, rock music, baseball, basketball. You're always going to have those guys in you know in their fields that because they're that much more committed, that much more dedicated, that much more talented, that much more driven, you know, a combination of all those things that make you special. You're always, you know, Eddie Guerrero would have been great in the 60s or in the 40s, and probably Ed Stranger Lewis would have been great in our era, because when you're great, you're just great. You know what I'm saying? Just like when you see a great movie and it's always great, or a great act or a great song. So, you know, you just figure out who are the those, you know, like, for example, you know, I know for a fact, you know, like uh, probably in our day, you know, Ricochet would have been hanging with us and, you know, Osprey and those type of guys, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, every generation is going to have those guys that really, you know, connect with the crowd and, and they capitalize on it. And, and so, you know, every generation just has their great wrestlers. And what is your kind of... Pre- perspective as far as now cornering guys and managing guys and kind of looking at it from that perspective rather than the in-ring part is it kind of a whole new deal for you if you will um no because i've been kind of you know uh, always behind the scenes mentoring a lot of people so now it's just kind of an extension of what i do but it's just another role to play you know another part to play and i like I like to, you know, do different things, whether I'm managing, whether like in Mexico right now, you know, like if I'll give you an example in, uh, do you watch Impact? Yes. Okay. So, you know, I'm with that group LAX and they're yeah. like really big baby faces, right? But when I go to Mexico, we just did a taping there. I go up there as a really hated heel, you know, and then I went up there with Jeff Jarrett, who's got mega heat in Mexico. And I just love, you know, playing with people's emotions and being able to get into different characters and elicit emotion out of the crowd. And cause there's just some stuff that always works. And so 
you know, there's, there's that the entertainer in me that still enjoys doing that. But at the same time, I also love seeing somebody and telling them, yo, do this, do this, do this. And it works and they're happy. And you just start seeing their growth and their progression. I feel like you and you kind of, you know, returning a, a, a few times over the many, many years with AAA, you know, obviously in the nineties, you were the biggest star in Mexico. They really the Hulk Hogan uh, of Mexico, if you will. But you know, you always had kind of almost, I wouldn't say love, hate, but you always were there air and kind of came back but it seems like you were always able to elicit like you said that emotion whether you were the Hulk Hogan you were mega popular or as as a huge heel down there and even as a booker you were able to you know do a lot of different things with a lot of different guys and get them over is that something that you just have that special magic in Mexico where you kind of pulling the string so to speak um I don't know bro it's just like uh, I've always liked you know I've always liked to be creative. I remember as like as a little kid, I would go out and actually do like performances for my family, you know? So I was always like an entertainer. So I always liked to go out there and entertain. Um, I just think, you know, I mean, here's the thing. When I first saw Ray Mysterio, who was a very, very small guy, so small that Antonio Pena wanted to put him with the minis, okay? And he was real, real, real skinny. But I just thought, now, I'd never been top booking. I didn't grow, like I said, I didn't grow up wanting to be a wrestler. I wasn't, you know, your average fan. I kind of ran into the business. But I just kept thinking to myself, look how small this guy is. Anybody you put him in the ring, and not only that, forget the fact that he was small. He was incredibly talented. And I was like, there's nobody doing this in the business. And I've only been in maybe six months. And I was like, there's nobody in the business doing this. And imagine if you put him against much bigger guys, the type of sympathy he would get. And the, and the bigger guys could base him really easy because he's really light. And that's kind of what happened. But you never know how great Rey Mysterio is because you're kind of in Mexico until you see him go to Japan and blow up and you see him go. And Eddie, you know, Eddie was incredibly talented, you know, and I knew he was talented. You know, I told him, hey, leave. CMLL, he was actually wearing a mask at that time. He was mad. He was, I can't believe they're making me wear a mask. He goes, then take the shit off. He goes, I'm not going to do that. That's disrespectful. I go, disrespectful? Your dad was a rebel. Chavo was a rebel. He left Japan and took the belt. I go, just take the fucking mask off. And he went in the AAA ring, took off the mask. He goes, I'm Eddie Guerrero, the son of Gory Guerrero, the brother of blah, 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 blah. And then he started that whole thing with a love machine, the Gringo Locos, and they were incredible, but you don't know how great they are till they, till all of a sudden I saw that year they won the Observer Tag Team of the Year. I was like, wow, you know, you just never know how great they are because greatness is kind of like standing kind of right in front of you, but you don't know how great it is in the grand scheme of things until they leave where they're at. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's when you were like, wow, these guys were real special, huh? And you had a pretty good history with the, uh, the Gringos, Locos, Eddie Guerrero, and our bar. Right. Yeah, well, they were my best friends in real life, so it was just kind of like, you know, we traveled together, we trained together, we hang out together, we might as go, you know, we worked together in the ring, because I, usually I was the baby face, and they were taking, I go, you know, you know, I joined them, and it was even more fun, you know. But, you know, they didn't need me. They were great. You know, they were great on their own. The best tag team I've ever seen in Mexico. And Eddie probably... Maybe the he is the best work I've ever been in the ring with. Eddie, one of the best ever. Ray Mysterio, one of the best ever. But what right. about you know in the '90s, a guy that was 
the best ever maybe for, at that time period down in Mexico, Pero Aguayo, and you kind right. of big feud with him at that point, that really kind of put you on the map, so to speak, as, as well. I mean, a guy that, you know, you're getting the younger guys over back then, he kind of, right. you know, helped you get over. Right. Well, actually what happened was is we, we had a mass versus hair match. And usually in Mexico, you don't see those masks, those matches. The, you'll usually see hair versus hair, mask versus mask. And when I was in Arena Mexico, they wanted me to lose my mask with different wrestlers. But again, I was like, well, why would I want to lose my mask? What happens when I lose my mask? What are they going to lose to me? You know? So, you know, most wrestlers were like, I'll lose my mask and get a huge payday and that was it. But I was thinking of, well, how am I going to get over after this match? So I thought, let me lose my mask to this legend's hair, which very rarely happens. And then six months down the road, I'll put my hair against the legend's hair and he can lose it to me. And that's exactly what I did. And that really blew me up too, you know? Definitely. And about a little while later, big time feud with Jake the Snake Roberts that kind of shook the wrestling world uh, for a bit down there in Mexico. Right. Yeah. He was a crazy guy. Uh, very smart guy, but uh, definitely crazy. And um, he, you know, the one thing that, that he knew how to do was get me over, you know, and uh, I was still, even though I was massively popular, I wasn't a great worker in the ring yet. And, and Jake helped me with a lot of little nuances I didn't really know about because, you know, Mexican wrestling isn't as nuanced as the American wrestling is. And so, uh, you know, he really taught me a lot and it ended up me and him uh, breaking a Tijuana gate record um, uh, when we did our hair versus hair match. Triple Mania, which is basically the rest for anybody who doesn't know, is basically the, the WrestleMania down in Mexico. That was back in '94. Huge hair versus hair match, huge business, kind of shook up the business and really kind of further put you on the map. Because anytime you know, you're in there with Jake Roberts after a big time match like that, it really helps elevate you, you know, pretty pretty quickly through the ranks. Right. Well, the thing is, is that Jake was known, but he wasn't really known because WWE wasn't on TV yet in Mexico, but it did help me a lot. That's why we did it. That's why we did the match in Tijuana because Tijuana is a border town and half those people watch American wrestling and half of America and a lot of American wrestling fans crossed the border to TJ to watch wrestling. So that fan base knew Jake real well. So that was a perfect place to culminate it. And, you know, we're talking about hair versus hair and different things, and we're talking about masks. Obviously, we were talking about masks versus hair match. But what did you think about in WCW when they were kind of pulling the masks off a lot of the wrestlers, like Rey Mysterio and Juventud? Was that something you thought was a no-no uh, for WCW to be doing? Yeah, well, you know, uh, me and Eric, who have since basically kind of like mended fences, we had a huge problem with that, you know, and... Um, and I told him all the reasons he shouldn't do it professionally, culturally, uh, even personally was something that Ray took very personal. He had his mind made up, you know, and he even called Ray because he kind of he kind of either thought or knew that I was trying to make Ray not do it. And he called them up and he was like, uh, if you don't show up for your match, you'll be in breach of contract, you know. And so that's the genius of Vince. Vince put it right back on him and made tons selling merchandise. And mm -hmm. 
So, so same thing with, uh, with Hoovy, you know, Jericho, who obviously wrestled in Lucha and understands the cultural significance of the mask. Um, he actually had told me, said, uh, Hey man, if you want to, I won't do the match. I don't know if he was going to pretend he was injured or what, but I was like, nah, bro, this is inevitable. If they're going to do it, I'd rather than do it with you. You know what I'm saying? So I think in hindsight, he may be the first guy Bischoff to say, I really didn't understand fully what those masks meant. Or, you know, I think he, in hindsight, he, he would agree it was a mistake. Now, as we start to wind it down here, I just have to ask you, because one of the greatest, your international wrestling legend, obviously Mexican wrestling legend, is there anything you look back on more so than other matches and say, you know, that's one of my favorites, or, or those are my favorites, or that guy was my favorite to work with? Is there that possible for you to kind of look back? And, and I know obviously there's so many moments and so many wrestlers, but is there anything that sticks out to you? My favorite matches were always usually the matches that my friends were involved in because those were always really fun matches because you're wrestling your friends. Um, very memorable. You know, I had a feud in Juarez, Ciudad Juarez, which is on the border of El Paso, Texas, and where Eddie was like an idol. And we did this incredible angle where, you know, me and him were best friends. And, you know, then I turned on him and that was incredible that people can find it on YouTube. Um, uh, Another memorable angle was uh, in Puerto Rico, Carlos Colon, who's like the most famous guy there ever as a wrestler. Uh, we did this angle where, um, and it was, it was a slow burn, and uh, where basically it ended up with me in the ring uh, asking his daughter to marry me while he, Carlos was there, and so were his sons, Carly, Car Carlito, and uh, Eddie. And I ended up hitting it with a guitar and the place just riots. <laughs> so those type of, yeah, there, there's, you know, there's, I remember more moments than people because those moments kind of stay with me a little bit longer. I remember coming to, I hadn't been in Mexico for seven years and, um, and I came back uh, and I remember they had this interview with like all these wrestlers and they were like, well, what do you think, you know, about Conan coming back? And all the wrestlers said, well, this is a different fan base and he may not be as remembered as he thinks, you know, they weren't like hating. They were just kind of like stating, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck man, what if I go out there? Nobody remembers me or it's like not that much of a reaction, you know? And I, it was kind of maybe the first time I can ever remember really, really getting nervous before a match because you get anxious, but I was like really nervous. And they didn't even announce me. They just put my music and that whole place. There was like 15,000 people in there easy. Uh, they were just, you know, chanting my name. And it felt like, bro, it felt like I was like having an out-of-body experience. It was that intense. So those are kind of moments that I treasure a lot. Everything I did with Perro Aguayo in L.A., which at that time also broke eight records. It was incredible. You know, we had no idea the popularity that Lucha Libre had in L.A., we should have, you know, I think that's after Mexico City, the city with the most Mexicans, but you just don't know till you get there. You know what I'm saying? Well, hopefully that crowd at the Melrose uh, Ballroom there on October 4th, this Friday night, they can uh, maybe get a little bit in with you and uh, give you another one of those moments. But I got to mention a couple of the stars who we got on the card. Flying Brian right. Jr., Fil Filthy Tom Lawler, Sammy Callahan, MJF, of course, the great Tommy Dreamer is going to be in attendance there as well. But I got to ask you this. 
This right. resurgence of PCO, I mean, this is like the third time he's reinvented himself, but now he's become this cult uh, figure in professional wrestling. What do you think about Pierre uh, Carl Oulet in 2018 doing his thing? It's unbelievable what he's done this year. I'm a big fan of Pierre Carl Oulala. And uh, <laughs> especially, I went, to, I went with him to a show in Lebanon where the promoter stiffed us, okay? And it was him and me and uh, uh, Frankie Kazarian, Kurrigan, uh, Stevie Ray, uh, Jason, Anis- Jason Anderson from Canada who helped put it together in Gama Singh, a couple other people. Um, it was a really wild time, really wild time. And uh, that's when I first really kind of met him. And he's a real, real cool guy, real nice dude. And I'm very happy for all his success because, you know, at his age and with his injuries and the risk that he takes, you know, a lot of it he's doing it for the love of the game. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I, I, I tip my hat off to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he had a chance in uh, TNA in the, the mid-2000s where I believe he got injured, but he was doing these same things with the same moveset that he's always had. And it's, I'm glad to see that people are recognizing him for doing what he's doing now because he's, uh, he's quite the specimen. But again, it's MLW. It's this uh, October 4th at the Melrose Ballroom in New York City. You can go to MLWTickets.com for more information if you are not planning to be there. It will be a TV taping, so you can see almost all these matches on television. And Conan, as we wrap it up, what we like to do usually is I would ask what your legacy is left in the business. But with you, you're always up to something. So what's next for Conan? You've obviously dominated podcasts and you had your hands in so many different pots in the business. But what's next for, uh, for K-Dog here in 2018? I think if hopefully if everything happens 2019, you know, something that I've been wanting to do for a long time is bring Lucha Libre in a big way um, uh, to the United States, you know. So that would be my next thing that I'm working on. Um, but I did want to say one thing. It's such a pleasure working over at MLW because I love the fact how they're getting all these guys, whether it's, uh, you know, the controversial Teddy Hart or PCO or the top Lucha names, you know, or these young talents, uh, MJF and, you know, Selena De La Renta and, you know, bringing in, I loved when he had Matt Riddle there and now he's got Tom Lawler. So he brings a little bit of everything, you know, and so, and then it's a quick one hour show, boom, you know what I'm saying? So I'm really digging what they're doing down there. And I did, I did want to put that over great locker room, great vibe, great, uh, management team over there. So check out MLW, you know, we're going to be in New York. When does this drop tomorrow? It'll be out. It'll be out tomorrow. So if you're, we're recording this tonight, it'll be out tomorrow and, uh, everybody can make their plans just in time to uh to get there but hey listen before we let you go we want to also get the plug out there for keeping it 100 and everything going on with your brand the conan world so please share with the listeners of the two-man power chip where they can find everything all right so you can chop it up with me on either twitter facebook at k-o-double-n-a-n-5150 you can check out my podcast under the Jericho Network, uh, keeping it 100 with Conan. I usually do that show with Disco Inferno, Shane Helms, um, Juventud Guerrera, and our producer, Jojo the Philly Twink Boy. Boom. And so we basically chop it up about politics, pop culture, sports, wrestling, everything. And you can check that out every Thursday. And then you can check me out uh, uh, also on Thursdays on Pop TV with uh, LAX. And then Triple uh, A usually has one or two, no, usually about two or three TV tapings live on Twitch. 
The next one's going to, the next AAA TV show will be October 19th from Naucalpan, which is uh, Mexico City, Mexico. Uh, let me see. Um, I'm probably forgetting something, but, that, that, you know, that's basically what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm pretty busy. You're always busy. You're always up to something. But look, we appreciate you taking the time tonight and spending a few with us and uh, chopping it up. And all the best to you guys, MLW and Conan, keeping it 100. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for coming on. We appreciate it. All right, man. Check us out on MLW Fusion. Boom. BN Sports. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.